Hi, everyone. And this is the December 14th, 2018 edition of The Sheila Zielinski Show. Thank you, everyone, for being patient. Over the last 12 weeks, as most of you know, my father was uh, given a diagnosis September 3rd that he had brain cancer, an inoperable brain tumor, and then they found lung cancer later into that. Well, 12 and a half weeks of what I would just call pure hell with him, and he did pass away the last day of November. And uh, of course, it is a huge loss. I'm going through a grieving process, but I told my patrons I'd like to get back in the saddle, kind of ease back into the show instead of moping around. One of the things that I'm really happy about, and I, I find a blessing in, in this tragedy because it is such a huge loss, especially I think for a girl to lose her daddy, that's such a huge loss. I'm sure there's women out there that can really relate to this. It's just such a huge void. And I wanted to share with my listeners that I've just learned so many lessons throughout this incredibly challenging time. One thing I am so grateful, there was a lot of miracles, you know, aside from the fact that I was even right up until the day he passed, I was standing in faith for healing. You know, and sometimes God vetoes healing. And that's something really hard to understand at times when we're believing, we have faith, we have faith to move that mountain, and then it doesn't happen. It's a process to try to sort of reconcile that, you know, and that's something that I'm trying to learn from God. What are the takeaways out of situations like this? And it's such an excruciating loss. It's such a heart-crushing void. You work through it the best you can. One of the ways that I feel that I can best work through grief is, you know, to, to continue on the path in the ministry God's entrusted me with. And I wanted to sort of ease back into things because helping is the way that I process through stuff. And for me, I believe my dad, who now I know for sure walks on streets of gold. Why do I know that? Because Randy Ritchie and I, we had a long conversation with my dad on September the 6th. And my dad rededicated his life to the Lord. So that part was really God's answer to prayer in all of this. And yes, it's a big void. And yes, it's a huge, heart-crushing, seemingly tragic loss. But I know he went on to a better place. And that's the final takeaway that I have in this. And I just want to thank everyone for their tremendous outpouring of prayer and support. Only your prayers, I believe, got me through this really horrific time in my life. Such a huge struggle, such a challenging time for me and my family. But it's only due to, I believe, my audience that's been praying for me that the reason that I'm getting through this really tremendous, difficult time. So I thank you so much for that. I really wanted to, especially because it's getting mid-December, again, today is December 14th, a guy that's become a good friend of mine. I really love his love for Jesus. It's so infectious. He just released a book that came out today, and I promised to have him back to talk about a project that's actually happening next week. And of course, I wish I could have recorded this show earlier, but you know, the timing, of course, it is such a pleasure for me to have back on the program. And boy, I had a lot of feedback from the show I did with him. It is Cody Bates. And he just released a book today called The Devil's Pupil. And first of all, Cody, this book is amazing. And I want to talk about now I had heard a rumor, Cody, that this book was like, I don't know, just under a 1000. Maybe I heard wrong pages in the manuscript. I mean, this whole process of how this book came to be is really amazing. Talk about your book and get into some details about writing it. 
Yeah, so the most exciting part about my book is you can get it right now. You can get it at Chapters. You can get it at Indigo. Uh, it's on Amazon. And, uh, and yeah, again, it's called The Devil's Pupil. Uh, and, uh, and it's about the prodigal son returning home. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to share my testimony uh, with the world. And, and, it's, and again, it's, it's meant for Christians to be encouraged, but this book is meant for the lost. I wrote it for the lost. It's it's very raw, and and it glorifies Jesus. You know, like I was even I was writing words that I was like had to look it up, and then I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This is good. <laughs> you know, and it was a very intense thing to go through so early on in my walk. So like, you know, I'm I'm detoxing. I'm four days sober, and I'm reliving this just horrific parts of my life and rethinking about everything and 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 not just and not just writing about it surfacey but going really deep um when i spoke to the editor uh of my book he said it was the most detailed manuscript he has ever read my original manuscript was 750 pages it took me 10 months to write probably about a thousand pots of coffee and a lot of prayers and uh and just a lot of leaning on god and it was and the craziest thing happened as, I was, as i'm writing my manuscript is, is that it was therapy you know for the first time in my life i'm looking at everything in black and white and i'm going deep it's not surface and just the truth the, like behind my my life and and where god was the entire time because for the longest time i was under the impression that god didn't want nothing to do with me and when i when i was saved for about a month i was kind of feeling like you know why now why do why did you wait so long and uh as i'm writing i was i started really seeing god's fingerprints on my life throughout my life and yeah so it's very raw look at uh at addiction at uh spiritual attack at uh a maximum security prison uh, inside uh, building a cocaine empire inside my 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 demise you know where god found me in my brokenness and pulled me out of it and you know i'm like my story my life when you look at it like hindsight's 2020 and you know when i look at it now it just doesn't feel like it could have possibly gotten any more darker any more evil and today to be so filled with love and joy and just this fire to help people and just love as many people as possible that i have that's only god like only jesus can do something like that I'm just so blown away day by day, just watching miracles happen all around me, working here at Teen Challenge in the Okanagan. And I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm very blessed to, you know, and my second book that you kind of brought up there. Uh, so my book is called The Devil's Pupil. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's about my life. My second book is called My Father's Pupil. My second book is going to be about how I've learned to hear God's voice. Because one thing that I have come to realize is that God doesn't pop his head out of this guy and tells you what to do. <laughs> you know, so, I, so I've had to learn how to, you know, how to hear his voice just in day-to-day -day things and how to seek out his will. And, and, uh, and uh, one thing I've, I've really, really seen in my short walk here is, you know, when I'm glorifying Christ, I'm hearing his voice. And man, and, and, and that's what I've taught others to do around me so yeah well i was really captivated about an article that i read in the calgary herald and this is the interesting thing cody the way he worded it was 
former drug kingpin now helping save lives instead of destroying lives. And I thought, wow, that's a really sobering title for a person to kind of take a macro view and look at that. What was that like to read that, you know, destroying lives of people? I mean, that's really sobering. Well, I mean, like my story kind of speaks for itself. I mean, I'm a, I'm a convicted killer. I'm a diagnosed sociopath, a maximum security inmate um, and a notorious gangster. And uh, I destroyed anybody that got in my way. And, and it was and it was uh, I lived a very selfish lifestyle, just full of drugs, money, women, hard choices. It was all selfish, just very selfish, just whatever made me feel good. And it would never it was never about the money for me, though. It was always about the escape. I just had this massive uh, melon of pain and shame and guilt in my gut that I just could never get rid of. And and so it's just, you know, doing drugs and, and chasing these, you know, the, the, the lies of the world, what the world tells you will make you happy. You know, chasing these lies is what I did. So it's, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride. And you know what? And my, those the Herald articles and the Sun articles and the newspaper stuff, uh, my notoriety has really helped me in leading people to the cross. Last year, I was on the front page of the Calgary Herald and it was glory to Jesus on the front page secular news. Everybody I talked to was like, that's nuts. <laughs> Nobody, that doesn't happen anymore. And, uh, but that's, that's what the story that God's given me, something that everybody is interested in. My, my book is meant for Christians to be encouraged, but my book isn't meant for Christians. It's meant for the lost. Mark 2.17 tells us it's not the healthy that need a doctor, you know, but the sick, you know, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners, people that are, aren't saved, you know, and because this is a book that, you know, it, it, only God, His grace is the only reason why I'm here today. You know, I should be dead. I should be in jail. I shouldn't, you know, be allowed in public. <laughs> I feel like, and, uh, but I am. And you know what? And I'm here with this, this, you know, I, he took a heart of stone. He gave me a heart of flesh. And that's what my book's about. Just this, just this, God's relentless pursuit after my heart into the deepest, darkest pits of hell. Um, you know, like God, I wasn't saved at a church. I wasn't saved on an altar. God found me on my floor with a knife in my wrist. Um, five more seconds later and I'd be dead. This timing is perfect. And my story glorifies that. My story glorifies his, God's timing and his love and his grace. And, uh, and, and yeah, and then the secular world is interested. You know, they want to know about it. Yeah, yeah, they do. And and when you look at your life sort of in its culmination and, and your path and where it's led, I mean, crime boss, drug lord, prisoner, sociopath, there's all these titles, but who do you really relate to the most? Addicts, that's what who I relate to most. Um, and you know what? He wants all of his lost sheep. He doesn't just, you know what I mean? I'm not special. You know, the difference between... You know, Jesus and 12 steps is one is rehabilitation and one is transformation. You know, I'm no longer confined by the constraints of calling myself an addict or an alcoholic or anything like that. I'm none of that. I'm a child of God, you know, and I'm proud. Oh, man. And I just want to share that, that beautiful truth. It's a truth. It's a beautiful truth with everybody. 
Well, and when you look at the drug epidemic, Cody, I mean, I don't think this book could be more timely. And and your life is really conducive to understanding that that desperation as your life completely spirals into darkness in that horrendous addiction. Yeah, you know what? I mean, the you know what? There's not uh, this is an epidemic that's crossing all social barriers right now. Like this isn't a problem that's somewhere else anymore. Like it, almost every family. In, in the country right now is looking at an empty seat at the Christmas table. The amount of opioid deaths in British Columbia climbed to 1,400 people last year. 1,400 affected families that are never going to see their loved one again, let alone, you know, having an empty seat. Like, people are dying at numbers that are just unheard of. Uh, I was reading in the newspaper about a day on, on East Hastings alone on one day was nine deaths. And that's just a small stretch of road. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we're dealing with here. This is, this is killing people every single day in our province, in our country, you know, in North America, in the world. Like, this isn't something that's going to slow down. Oh. Man, like, and you know, and that's an, that's another thing that's really bugging me is how focused we are on the stigma of addiction. Like, people get it. The people that haven't, you know, that that is that you still need to fight with about the stigma of addiction are the ones that you can put proof right in front of and don't accept it. They're the ones that is really pointless to fight with over this. You show them something green and they're like, "Well, it's red." I'm past the stigma. I'm on to solutions. You know what I mean? I'm on to the truth. I'm on to let's do something about this. Like enough, enough about the stigma. Let's move on to what we're going to do here. And then so like, so now I feel like the, the mission that I've been commissioned to is to, is to share Jesus with as many addicts as possible, as many people as possible. But addiction is where I feel like I can glorify God the biggest because every time, you know, I got, I, I meet somebody and every time they give their life to Christ and I watch this transformation take place, it just, it brings so much hope to everyone that's around, everyone that sees that, everyone that's, you know, just in earshot of, of, of this transformation of, you know, of, of people, you know, because drug addicts are, are it's a part of society that almost everybody's giving up on. Like with East Hastings, they just, that's Vancouver, they just brought them all down into one spot. Like, this is, yeah. let's just keep them all right here and let them die. Well, and, and that's actually a really good segue, speaking of East Hastings. Now, I'm really excited about what's happening in just days away. This is really exciting. I want you to get into your second annual East Hastings project. Yes, yes. Well, this is super exciting. So they, uh, so last year, um, while I was at Bible College, oh, man, I just, uh, God gave me this evangelistic heart. And sitting in Bible College, not sharing the gospel with non-believers was eating me alive. Uh, I was just, so it just had the worst anxiety, just a bit of depression. Everything I was learning, I needed to tell people about it. That's just the heart God gave me. And so instead of going home for Christmas, I don't think I've ever spent a Christmas with my family, ever, that I can remember. Not since I was young, anyway. But instead of going home and being with my family for the first time for Christmas, God was asking me to go down to East Hastings. And this is, this is where I've learned to hear His voice. And that's because if Jesus can transform anybody. There is nobody out there that is too far gone, uh, you know, that is too far out of the reach of the love of Jesus Christ. And Hastings is where everybody's given up on. You know, Hastings will never change. Hastings, you know, like, that's just the, that's the label it carries. East Hastings is one of the the worst, I don't want to call it a slum, because 
there's some serious slums in like South America, but like just one of the worst rundown parts uh, for for crime and prostitution, drug dealing and and homelessness and poverty and yeah, and it's just and it's thousands of people that are just oh just so broken and so lost and everybody's given up on Hastings. So I knew that if I could make an impact in Hastings that I could bring attention to Jesus Christ because everyone's going to be like, well, how's he helping people down there? <laughs> and, and then when people ask me, how is he helping? I'm going to be like, well, it's Jesus. Because <laughs> God is real and he lives and he wants all of his lost sheep. And so that's what I did when I went down there. I had no idea what I was doing. I brought 400 Bibles. I found out later that what I was doing is called evangelism. Uh, I didn't even know I was evangelizing before I even knew what evangelism was. <laughs> and uh, and I'm down there with my box of Bibles, and there's you know there's crime and fire trucks and ambulances and drugs and drug addicts just all around me, and I'm standing there with my box of Bibles, and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> it's kind of like you're here with your box of Bibles in the gulag of British Columbia, really. I mean, ground zero for the drug epidemic, and and here you're just pounding the streets. <laughs> Oh, 100% ground zero. That's exactly what it is. It's, 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 you know, it's the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. Nothing, like, nothing can even hold a candle to the fire, the bonfire that's going on down there. It's, it's just absolutely, it's, it's drug addiction in the most extreme. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And I just, I just knew that God was calling me down here and I knew that he would lead me. Um, and so I'm standing there and uh, I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to start walking around and talking to people like, Yes, <laughs> and uh, and I was going down. I was going down for ten days, and I was less than a year sober, less than a year in my face. <laughs> so I'm just pretty, uh, yeah, st- doing it huge. I'm stepping out in faith in a big way, <laughs> and uh, and so when I when I and I start walking around, and and after a little bit, as I'm standing there, I'm hearing gospel music, and I'm like, where the heck is this gospel music coming from? And I, so I just followed the music, and I come out onto. Carroll Street, East Hastings and Carroll Street, and there's a church that's got the whole street shut down, uh, and they're playing gospel music, and they're handing out food and donations, and I just, I really felt God's presence. I just knew that he just led me right there, and I looked to find the pastor there, and it turns out there's a guy named Wesley Chadwick, uh, just an amazing, mighty man of God, uh, you know, just on the front lines of addiction, 365 days a year, uh, and just, you know, got really encouraged by what he was doing and stuff, and then so so after that, I was like, all right, all right, you know, like God's here. He just needs, he just needs vessels. That's it. And I started walking and there's this, this homeless guy standing on the side of the road uh, and he's hacking away. He's got a big knife in his hand, like a big one, like a big bowie knife. <laughs> and he's hacking away at a piece of wood. And, uh, and I'm walking by him and I look at him and he looks at me. And I don't know what it was about this guy with this big knife, but I'm like, hey, I'm like, oh, this guy, this is him. And I asked him, I'm like, can I, can I take you out for food, man? And, you know, like said hi to him and he's like yeah man you can take me out for food and I'm like awesome man I'm like you need you know you need Mitch you need a tooth I started walking with him and, and then yeah, it's funny he's like he's like, I'm not gay I'm 
like, don't worry, man. I'm not gay either. I'm just trying to love you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But anyways, me and him, we go out into the skate park there, down on East Hastings. So it's like, it's 10 at night. It's pitch black. Going into a skate park. My first time in Hastings. And I'm walking in there, just like, you know, just, just out of faith. But I'm just, I was so confident, just feeling God's presence. I sat with this guy in the skate park. He gave his life to Christ right down there. Um, I put hands on him. I prayed with this guy. I showed him I had a picture of myself from when I was using at the very end. And I just, I look like a bone rack. Just, you can see the hopelessness all over my face. And, uh, and he's looking at it. And I'm like, yeah, man, that was me a year ago. And he gave his life to Christ right on the spot down there. Um, I ended up speaking to like probably six, 700 people while I was down there over the 10 days. That guy I brought out of there with me when I left. And I brought him home uh, to my parents' house. <laughs> and uh, to, in in Longview, Alberta, like I just just uh, yeah <laughs> yeah. You imagine imagine being on the other side of that phone call eh, when I call my dad and I'm like, guess what? Bring it up. <laughs> You're gonna be so happy. I got a I've got a homeless guy from Hastings, <laughs> a heroin addict. <laughs> like, he wants help. This is great news. So, like I was so excited. My dad wasn't so excited. I got banned from bringing homeless people home after that. But it went. You know what? My my dad loves this guy today. Um, so this guy's a year sober now. On December 26, um, I just moved him into his new house. Wow. Um, he is living proof that sometimes the difference between life and death is just someone coming alongside and taking the time to show, showing that person that you care. And that guy's alive today because of that. And that's what Jesus did. He took time. He came down here, shed his godly features, become the very nature of a servant, you know, uh, and then earned our trust. And then that's how he got influence with us. And, uh, yeah. So the second annual Christmas on Hastings project. So last year, you know what? My, my goal was to go down to Hastings to get my feet wet. My goal last year was just to go down, make an impact and get, uh, get the attention brought to it. That way this year I could go down there with resources and plugs to pull people out of there and actually make a larger scale impact. So because what I did on Hastings, I ended up on the front page of the Calgary Herald last year. And that just opened up a crazy amount of opportunities and windows. Um, I ended up, I started working at Teen Challenge in British Columbia at the Okanagan Men's Center. And I got hired here because I'm an evangelist. So they, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm training guys now to evangelize and taking them into hard-hit communities and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like, only God could have brought me into a position like that, right? So I'm in this crazy position now where I've got all these connections. And so this year, uh, this year is going to be completely about going in and trying to make a, a larger scale impact. So from the 18th to the 27th, I'm doing a 10-day all-out blitz of goodwill down there. I got Carl, the guy that I brought out of there last year, he's coming with me, and a good friend of mine, Jeff, he's coming with me too, and we're just going down there, and we're going to be just pounding pavement, sitting with guys, man. Uh, last year, I was doing things like going and grabbing people food, just trying to figure out different ways to earn influence with people so you could, you know, so you could speak truth into their life. So, like, I would buy someone a tent if he agreed to have a Bible study in it with me. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, like, just different things, and I, I was getting pretty clever with what I was doing down 
down there. So this year, I'm going to be doing the exact same thing. I'm just going to be loving on as many people as possible. But the cool thing about this year is I'm going to have two events, one on the 19th and one on the 26th, where it's an invite to the community to come in and have a safe environment to love on the community, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I'm going to be at the Carroll Street Church. The Carroll Street Church is is hosting me. They're giving me the keys to the church. Uh, and, uh, and that's going to be my home base for 10 days. Um, so on the 19th and the 26th, I got a bunch of barbers coming down. So we're going to have barber chairs all set up. Right, uh, Carroll Street Church is right beside Pigeon Park. So right in Pigeon Park, we're going to have a bunch of different booths. We're going to have barbers cutting hair. We're going to have tables full of clothing donations. We're going to have, be serving turkey dinners. I got a, I got a table set up that's going to have uh, cell phones with long distance plans. So people that haven't called home in a long time can call long distance, call home to, to, to their family. A toy donation table set up so they can pick a toy for kids that they haven't seen in a long time and send that home. And all these things are to kind of plant seeds, right? And then and then after, once they're walking around, getting their haircut, getting food, getting clothes, all that stuff, then I got about a bunch of treatment centers that are going to be represented down there um, with information and applications and opportunities for them to actually get out of there. So my vision is they're going to haunt me, oh, they're getting a haircut, they're looking good, um, you know, and they're starting to be a little bit inspired, getting clothes, and then, and then you know, and then calling home, and then like, oh, you know, remembering that they have a family, sending a present home, and then all of a sudden they see these, you know, and then the, the applications and opportunities to get out of there. You know, if someone wants to come out of there, we will take them out of there. This is, it's going to be a big thing. So we're looking for, we're looking for people that want to come alongside this financially, like help with sponsorship for students. The food, I think I got all the food all taken care of. I think I've organized all that um, for the for the serving the dinners and stuff. But then there's going to be the other food for the other 10 days where I'm going around and feeding people and stuff. So I'm hoping to have people come alongside for that. And just volunteers, personal presence. You're the, and personal presence presence in prayer. Prayer is obviously the most important thing. So if, if you're thinking about this, if you could please, please pray for this, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think this is something very worthy of prayer, and especially what the Carroll Street Mission, the Gospel Mission's doing, because, you know, it's great that you're having this, as you call it, this 10-day blitz of goodness and preaching the gospel, but these guys continue to do that work 365 days out of the year, and that is a real shame that they could be forced to close their doors, isn't it? Yeah, amen, Sheila. They, uh, you know what? Like, like Wesley Chadwick and his team, they're the most selfless people I have ever met in my entire life. Like, they pay themselves next to nothing. Peanuts! They started a shower program in the main level of their church. So their shower program, uh, so they, they, they're open three days a week to the homeless population there so they can come in and have showers. And what I love most about it is when you go into the Carroll Street Church, you hear the gospel. They speak truth into these people's lives. I know a lot of places when I was when I was down on Hastings last year and I was going into different churches there was a lot of humanitarian stuff a lot of compassion you know getting uh, getting fed a lot and you know and toiletries and stuff but nobody wanted nobody asked 
to wanted to talk to me about Jesus because everybody thought that I was most likely homeless because I was walking around with my beard and my backpack. <laughs> and uh, but nobody talked to me about Jesus, and that's what these guys do at the Carroll Street Church. If you go into there, you're going to hear about truth, and they care. They care immensely about the population down there. They're doing it 365 days a year, and you know what? And recently, like they at the Carroll Street Church right now, they're living month to month down there. Like they're evicted. They're just waiting for someone else to take over uh, the building. So they, uh, so they're basically living month to month right now. So, so my my hope, my prayer is that we can find some people that are willing to come alongside the Carroll Street Church. Um, you know, I know, I know God brought me there for a reason. I know uh, everything that is happening right now is for a reason. But the biggest misconception that people have about Hastings is that the devil owns Hastings. The devil does not own Hastings. God owns Hastings. And he just needs vessels. And, and Wesley Chadwick and his team are willing vessels. They're willing to do the job that nobody else wants to do. Like when I'm talking, like I, I go onto the streets here and I go onto the streets every day. I get spiritually exhausted real quick. And I don't know how he does it, but he's doing it 365 days a year. And he's been doing it a long time. And just the fact that they're about to close because they don't have enough people because they because they they're right down in the heart of Hastings, so they don't have a you know a suburb population or anything coming into to, into their chapel or anything like that. It's yeah. all Hastings Street people almost, and and some really fat, fantastic volunteers. So you know it's it'd be it'd be really great uh, to find some people to come alongside them alongside these these mighty men and women of God. Prayer is important, but. Sometimes it also takes more than that. It takes actually giving to something. You know, it's a time of year when everyone's running around and they're shopping and they, they don't think like just, wow, it's so, I'm so blessed just to have heat or food on my table or clothes. We don't really step back and, and take the time to be grateful for what we do have. Instead, we're buying more crap that we don't need every Christmas. And I'm not just talking about it either. I'm actually putting my money where my mouth is too. I'm spending my Christmas budget on this project. I'm going to sew in a sponsorship amount of $1,000 and I'm asking other people to please match that. Instead of buying gifts, quote unquote, this year, and everybody kind of has their own thoughts on Christmas and, you know, the pagan roots of it. And I get it. And that's not what this show is about today. It's about giving hope. And the true hope is in the gospel of Jesus. And like I said, I'm not just talking about it. I'm actually doing it. And I'm asking people to match that with me. Why don't you put your money somewhere where it's going to be really impactful for the kingdom? I just feel it's really important. Please, folks, I'm asking you to get financially behind this incredible gospel effort. This is like real Book of Acts stuff. So Cody, what's the best place people can get behind you and support you financially? I'm so glad you asked that, Sheila. Yeah, so there's there's several different ways you can get a hold of me. The best way to get a hold of me is my website, www.codybates.com. If you go to the Avery Projects, which is the name of my ministry, in there is the Christmas on Hastings Project. You can read about it, read what we're doing, and then there's also a donation button there. There's also a GoFundMe page going on right now called the Christmas on Hastings Project. And like I said, that will be helping us supply us with postage, to supply us with food, just the basic needs for human life down on Hastings. And you know what? And these are all, all those things are going to be icebreakers. Like, I'm not just 
handing out sandwiches and walking away from people. I'm handing out sandwiches and I'm earning their trust and then I want to sit with them and then I want to speak truth into their life. The exact same way Jesus did 2,000 years ago when he stepped into our mess. And then, so yeah, so we got the GoFundMe page. You got my website, www.codybase.com. And then also we got sponsorships for the students. So Teen Challenge, we have open bed space right now. And the only thing someone needs to get into Teen Challenge is a $1,000 deposit. We're a nonprofit charity. $1,000 by someone a year. We're not a treatment program. We're a discipleship program. So it buys, so $1,000 buys them a year of discipleship. So that's food. That's room and board. That's everything. 1000 bucks. That's all they need. That's the only thing that's, that's, that's keeping them from being there to getting into here. And our centers across British Columbia are, are, are open to this. And there's going to be other treatment centers that are down there on hand as well. So if someone wants to come alongside as a sponsor... That's a thousand bucks, or you know, or even a partial sponsor. That's fine too. And so, whoever says that they want to get out of there, we want to be able to cover them for getting out of there, and actually just give them a ride right to Teen Challenge, right back here with me when I come out of here. Any thing that we don't use on this project is being left as a donation to Wesley Chadwick and his team to helping keep the Carroll Street Church up and operational and speaking truth into these people's lives. And uh, and so I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm praying that uh, that some people will come alongside so we can leave a decent sized donation to help them keep their doors open for the year. That would be just, uh, just unreal. It'd be a Christmas miracle for sure. <laughs> Yeah, a Christmas miracle indeed. We'll be praying for that. And you know, the interesting thing about Teen Challenge, I was reading up on it, and the success of Teen Challenge, just as the discipleship program that it is, is incredible. I mean, just give people a little bit of a snippet on the incredible background of this program. Oh, man, Teen Challenge is the most successful program of its kind in the entire world. So Teen Challenge has 1,400 centers around the world over a million graduates. You know what? And that's what happens when you put Jesus, make Jesus the center of something. It's it's very God-honoring. So we have three centers in British Columbia alone. Uh, We have several centers across Canada. There's countless centers for Teen Challenge USA where it started. It started in New York back in the 60s. Originally started for teens, and now it's moved into, because of how successful the program was for teens, it's moved into a Adults and like we we have a vision to open and at Teen Challenge in the Okanagan here in British Columbia we have a vision to open up a women's center for women and children so mothers can can get treatment while you know and not lose their kids they can have their kids there the discipleship program here I. I'll give. I'll do a quick backstory. Before I was working here, I was traveling around to different treatment centers and sharing my testimony everywhere. And everywhere I went, asked, offered me a job. Uh, everywhere I went, and I kept. I kept saying no because everywhere was kind of half truths. When I came to Teen Challenge and shared my testimony, and then got the tour and seen the curriculum, they are drinking out of a fire hydrant of truth at Teen Challenge. You can't go wrong with Teen Challenge anywhere. It's the same, you know what, I was just at the Teen Challenge in London, Ontario, and it was like walking into my own center in British Columbia. Like, the DNA is the exact same everywhere you go. It's just an unbelievable 
program, an unbelievable discipleship program. Uh, and we want to, as Teen Challenge, our goal is to put hope within reach of every single addict. So we're not going to turn anybody away. We want to offer that hope to absolutely anybody. Uh, Teen Challenge was founded on discipleship and evangelism. And so we're really bringing back the evangelism part back right now uh, with Teen Challenge hiring me on. Uh, and again, the biggest way you can support me is with prayer. I could use as much prayer as possible. I, as, as most of you know, when you're when you're working this hard for God, it comes with a, a lot of uh, attack, spiritual attack. So, so yeah, if, if if people could cover cover me in prayer, my prayer goes out to everybody. Uh, that would be fantastic. Yes, sir. We will lift you up in prayer for sure, Cody. It was such a pleasure to have you come back on the program, and we wish you all the success and blessings throughout this time of the holidays. And may this be the most incredibly blessed and wonderful East Hastings project ever. Best success with the book. I hope a lot of people come to Christ through this book. I'm looking forward to hearing what God's going to do with this book and also with and through this project that you're doing in just days away, starting on December 19th. The information's linked below in the bio below. Cody, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Bless you, Sheila. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cody. Folks, that was Cody Bates. The book is The Devil's Pupil. You can get it on Amazon. There's a link there for that below. And of course, go to Cody's website and you can find all about this incredibly exciting East Hastings project, especially for my listeners in Vancouver, in and around the lower mainland. This is just such an important project and we really will be holding Cody up in our prayers. And I'd really like to get Wesley, the pastor at this gospel mission on East Hastings. I'd really like to bring him on the program. Well, really exciting interviews coming up next week. Monday, we start off with Paul McGuire and Troy Anderson. Tuesday, I've got an amazing show with Mark Taylor, first time he's been on, I think, since even before the midterms. And then an incredible show on Thursday with Pastor Monty Mulkey. You're not going to want to miss any of that. Hey, if you are not subscribed to my YouTube channel, listen, go right now to www.sheila.media. And on the left, you'll see the social media icons, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Make sure you're following me on all those social media platforms. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the program today. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless.